This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Monday afternoon. July the 12th, 2021, Travis Ryer joined by my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. Charlie coming off a big weekend, I'm sure. Charlie, you had some devastating news for your Atlanta Braves over the weekend. You had some NBA Finals, had uh, even some MMA. You talk about some injury news. Kind of what happened to that ankle? That was rough. And then... A little closer to home, I guess, the Major League Baseball draft here in the last 36 hours or so. And as we record this right now, some pretty big news, I guess, as we get going. And we'll get into the football talk. We'll get into some hoops talk as well. Um, But some good news for Peyton Wilson, maybe some not so good news for the Alabama baseball team, if, if not totally expected, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, this matter of seconds ago, Peyton Wilson uh, was drafted by the Kansas City Royals with the 66th overall pick in the 2021 MLB draft. And he's the first current Alabama player to come off the board. We saw yesterday uh, Noah Miller, the Alabama signee. He was the last pick of, I guess you'd call it the first round. I know they have those you know, sandwich picks. picks. Yeah. 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 So he, but he was the last pick of day one. And, you know, with that, I mean, you're, you're signing. Um, your signing bonus money is, you know, over $2 million. So you expect him to turn pro with that. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is going to be a long two days with today being the second through the 10th round, I believe. And yeah, Pate Wilson's the the first guy off the board. And I think he's coming in a little higher than he was projected. I think uh, MLB.com had him at number 68 and he goes 66 to the Royals. And again, like you said, though, this isn't something that's taken the the Alabama staff uh, by surprise. You know, Tim Watts had some good kind of pre-draft nuggets up on the board earlier this week, and you know he mentioned Noah Miller. Um, you know that was something I think Alabama fans were expecting, and, and Peyton Wilson was one of several you know, current players that um, Alabama is maybe expecting to lose over the next two days. So. I'm, I'm sure it'll be um, some other guys that have come off the board, but it's good to see these guys do this too, to get that, um, you know, to, to fulfill lifelong dreams to be drafted by a major league baseball team. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see some more guys come off the board here pretty soon. Yeah. Good for Peyton Wilson. You know, the pros, the pro people, versatile guy can run. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but pretty good pop, you know, at least going to have gap to gap, sort of power where you know hitting the gaps being a doubles type guy at the next level is concerned and showed you some home run ability as well so what about uh the Braves speaking of baseball Ronald Acuna Jr. man pretty devastating for this team that has struggled to find its footing throughout the season yeah I mean it's been a an up and down year literally from a, a record standpoint but 
know, there's there's so much promise coming off the of last season, you know, being right there to, to making a, a World Series appearance, and then you have the Marcelo Zuna news, you have you know, Mike Soroka injury, and now Ronald Acuna. It's just you know it's kind of the straw that, that broke the camel's back for me because uh, it, it's been a tough year. Like I said, it's been roller coastery in terms of the up and down nature, and um, you know Acuna though he's kind of the reason to watch. I mean, he's consistent. He's one of the most exciting young players in um, all of Major League Baseball. And you know, to see him get hurt like that and to you know, not see him again until potentially a few games into the next season, that, that's rough. And, um, you know, it, we're, we're talking about Alabama baseball here. Now Dylan Smith comes off the board at number 74 to the Detroit Tigers in the first three picks of round three. But, yeah, it's good news for Alabama, but bad news for the Braves. And um, I guess, you know, with your, your radio show ending, um, we had to have some kind of bad news for the Braves. So I, I kind of blame you for this, Travis. <laughs> it bleeds over. Even <laughs> though we put Southern Fried Sports to bed, you know, we tried to even go to that extent to help the Braves this season. I don't think that's working either. Yeah, just a Braves team that seems like it's been just flirting with that 500 mark. Even right now, a game under and just four back of the Mets and the NL East. But you said it about Acuna, appointment viewing with him when you knew the Braves, uh, when you know the Braves are going to be on, even if the Braves are going through a dreadful stretch at times, uh, he's a dude that you'll you'll flick on the cable or the stream or however you consume uh, Major League Baseball these days and, and, and check him out. Um any NBA Finals interest for you at this point? The Bucks, thankfully, won a game on Sunday night to get that series to 2-1 in favor of the Phoenix Suns. I got to be honest, I haven't had much energy for the NBA Finals at this point, although Giannis, these last couple of games, has been tremendous for Milwaukee. I think it's interesting just because you have teams that aren't typically here. I mean, you know, you, you have the usual suspects, and to see – um, you know, two teams that haven't won an NBA championship in a while or ever, um, you know, competing and, and guys on these rosters who have never won a ring. Guys like Chris Paul obviously has been in the league for a long time. And I don't know if anybody on these rosters has won a ring. So that's uh, it's pretty special. But, yeah, I mean, I, it's not, you know, it's you have some stars. You have Paul, you have Devin Booker, you have Giannis. Um, but it's not. You know, like we were just talking about with Ronald Acuna, it's not must-see television. And uh, I can see why there's, you know, some reservations, so to speak. I mean, I've, I've watched every game, um, but, I mean, also you're, you're talking to someone that's put all their self-worth into some draft picks coming up. So that tells you where my, <laughs> my interest lies. But, no, I mean, A I, franchise I, to be named later. Yeah, exactly. Team. I, I do think it's good to see the Bucks, you know, get a win and make it uh, make it interesting because we know that you know Giannis is coming off that injury uh, that he sustained in the, the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, for him to be really dominant, it's, it's going to make it, I think, a more entertaining series in the games to come. I just want close games. Yeah, and give me games that keep me sort of captivated for the four quarters. You know, and we didn't really have that at all. It seemed like in Phoenix for sure. Um, I was so disinterested, though, in the NBA Finals. I went to a concert Sunday night. Your boy, Jason Isbell. Now, if you don't know this, Charlie is such a contrarian that, you know, like sports writers especially, they love two artists, typically. 
Bruce Springsteen and Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, but not Charlie. Charlie isn't on the home team. Charlie goes the other way. What's your problem with Jason Isbell anyway, Charlie? Where does this all stem from? You know, I mean, he's fine. It's just I don't I don't get the you know the the allure. Like everybody <laughs> just obsesses over it. It's almost like I'm I'm trying to go the hipster route at this point. Yeah, but you're trying to be the cool kid, the you know to himself kid. Yeah. I will say, yeah. I mean, it the I don't get the Jason Isbell stuff now. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Bruce Springsteen, and a lot of my disdain for that is just to get under the skin of Michael Casagrande. Absolutely. But, Anything that gets under the skin of Big House, we're a fan yeah. of here on the pod. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, this, I mean, I'm, I'm a younger individual. I, I like more um, – that's just not – He's a North Alabamian just like you, Charlie. <laughs> so, so, you would so, think it. there would be a little more positivity – towards jay in the 400 i mean you're, you're just uh you're just not into it i get it and when it comes to isbel i'm a very well-documented drive-by truckers fan right and even after the show last night and it was a great show and his band the 400 unit he's great writes great songs it's become more of a couple's date show to be honest with you jason isbel in the 400 unit because he writes these beautiful oftentimes sad tragic songs and they're incredibly well written and he executes them at a very high level i like the edge still a drive-by truckers I, and isbel was great once again and just glad to see any of these people performing after the last what 15 16 months but um i'm not as over the top jason isbel fan is some of the other folks that we probably know, you know, mutual, mutual friends and acquaintances, I guess. Right. And I, I like the drive by truckers. It's just, it is like, it's almost like a fad to, to go onto Twitter. If you're a sports writer and talk about how much you like Jason Isbell. And I think that's with me. I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't tweet out takes. I'm not, I'm not that guy. So we have to really extract it from Charlie <laughs> when it comes to hot takes here on the podcast. I, I mean, I can be a, I can be, a, be opinionated, but like, there's just, I don't know. I just, I keep to myself. I like the things I like and yeah. most of the time it's not. Nothing what I that. No, uh, you love Disney world. I don't know anybody that doesn't love damn Disney. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're very on brand with, with that. And so uh, there's plenty of things you like that uh, you like tacos. You've said that on the podcast in the past. I don't know anyone that doesn't like tacos, Charlie. That's true. I guess for me, like music, like I, I like to listen to music, but I've I've fallen away from it from what I used to do. Like my favorite band probably right now is is Foo Fighters, and that's love that's Foo a Fighters. Little, that's a little different than Jason is. Well, I know that's and that's my, and that's pretty mainstream. It is. Know? It is. Um, but I just. You know, I'm the kind of person like if if I'm at home riding, which is a lot of the time, I'm I'm not really listening to anything. I know that could sound kind of crazy, but I need I want to get back into listening to music, but I just find myself in a better headspace whenever I can sit alone and pop out some content and go about my business. You're and you're tremendous, and uh, but we are going to continue to peel back the layers of Charlie <laughs> Potter here on the podcast don't you worry your little heads about that also a big week coming up for uh professional golf certainly not necessarily a huge fan maybe a professional golf like i am but it is the british open week big week you had justin thomas in the scottish open the former alabama 
All-American, national champion, player of the year while at Alabama with a strong performance at the Scottish Open over this last weekend, a Sunday 65 to assure him a spot in the top 10 in that event. On form, as they like to say in the golf world, it appears for Justin Thomas as he heads into the British Open. And for Justin right now, it's all about the putter. And that was probably the best thing to come from his Sunday round. Not that he made a ton of putts, uh, rolled up the, the footage in terms of made putts, but speed, everything else, he looked comfortable on the greens over there across the pond. So we'll see what JT's got in store for the British Open coming up this week. What about Jaden Shackelford at this point? Charlie, is it pretty much just assumed based on reports, stuff out there that kind of thought this might be a Pac-12 situation? I did anyway when he entered the portal, but is this guy going to end up in the Big 12 maybe? It kind of looks that way. Uh, You know, I think he shared with some reporters. I think Jeff Goodman might have been first on this. Um, The the trio of schools he was looking at, and it was Ohio State, Oklahoma, and, and Texas Tech. And, um, of course, with also considering a possible return to Alabama. So, you know, it's a situation where you look at the teams that he has listed and um, they're teams that obviously go at a, a, a much different beat and pace than Alabama. They're much slower tempo. And, you know, maybe that's some feedback he got back from the NBA. Maybe they want to see him more on the ball, play some point guard. And, um, you know, he doesn't see that in, in this offense because Alabama has – Javon Quinterly and, and J.D. Davis and two guys that can go, and that's what Nate Oates and his staff want. So it was a little bit surprising to see him not consider some teams um, out west. You never know you know, what those teams have going on with in terms of spots and what they're looking for, but it was an interesting trio uh, for him. And, yeah, I mean, heck, you could have a, a Murray Burnett for um, Jaden Shackle for trade with Texas Tech if he that. goes that route. But uh, no, it, it is interesting, and um, you know, I'm sure he'll be someone that that will decide here soon, just because he'll want to get back onto a campus. And you know, if he goes to a new place, then obviously start to mesh and gel with his new teammates. So um, you know, again, hope the best for for Jaden. Just from a reporter standpoint, he's been nothing but gracious with his time. He's always um, you know gives good answers. Never seems to be you know just hating this time on Zoom or the in those interviews, but, um, you know, hopefully he can find what he and his family are looking for. Yeah. It's interesting because as I recall, Nate Oates and Chris Beard, pretty good pals, right? But now Chris Mm -hmm. Beard, if Shackelford ends up in Lubbock, Chris Beard's at Texas. I think they promoted from within though. So maybe still some familiarity there, uh, between the staffs, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, Jaden Shackelford lands. And as we said last week on the pod, always have to throw the caveat in there, don't we? He could always return to Alabama, but that doesn't seem entirely likely uh, at this point. Hey, Charlie, let's get into some football talk. We're going to talk about the edge position, the outside linebacker position at Alabama. And then after our break, we're going to talk about reasons why Alabama will or won't go back to back in 2021 so jeremiah alexander of course if you hang out with us there at bamaonline.com has committed recommitted i guess to the university of alabama the five-star edge defender out of thompson high school over in the birmingham area and charlie we talked about attrition 
at outside linebacker, especially in this offseason. What was it? Four Alabama outside linebackers in some form or fashion that had eligibility available to them uh, have decided to move on. So it's a rhetorical question, I guess. But is it possible, Charlie, to have too much, too many elite type players at a position like outside linebacker? Yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a crowded room for sure. I mean, the the latest guy we saw enter the portal is uh, King Makuda. And, you know, he's a guy I think a lot of Alabama fans had high hopes for, you know, talking to, to Anthony Jennings and uh, Terrell Lewis down at the senior bowl after their careers were over. You know, they you know, it's always fun to kind of get the guys that are departing their thoughts on who's going to replace them. And, and both of them mentioned King pretty early on. Of course, you know, Chris Allen was mentioned and other guys like that. But, you know, we've seen. King and Jerez Parks and uh, Kevin Harris and Ben Davis all hit the portal. And yeah, I will say with King, you know, just like we talked about with Jaden Shackelford, there's a chance he could return. I mean, that's that's still on the table. Um, would that shock me if that happens? Not necessarily. And that would bring you know, Alabama's total to eight on campus right now, outside linebackers. And those are guys that are all highly recruited, talented to players. You know, you have, of course, uh, Chris Allen and, and, um, Will Anderson coming back as the starters. You know, Allen's the only guy that'll be leaving this offseason, running out of eligibility. So you'll have all those guys back, including Chris Braswell and Drew Sanders, who kind of seem like the the next men up. You have Q Robinson. Uh, you know, Keanu Coote went through spring practice. Dallas Turner arrived in the summer. You know, that's a that's a talented group. And then you you potentially re-add King Makuta to that mix. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's a you know something that's on the table. And then Next year, you you add Jeremiah Alexander and you know two or three other linebackers to the mix because Alabama is not slowing down when it comes to that. But it is a it's a loaded group. I think Alabama's uh, linebacker position, both outside and inside, is one of the deepest in the country. And um, seeing guys like Makuta and Davis and Parks, all these guys are you know top 100, if not you know right around that same ballpark players, and they're looking elsewhere just because of the way that. Alabama's recruited the position and now you have a guy in, in Will Anderson who's going to be a starter for at least the next two years you have one spot locked down for the foreseeable future so um, yeah I mean it's is it possible to have too many no I mean we've seen Alabama what's happened at the <laughs> the linebacker position in recent years just the injuries that have uh, happened there but um, you do start to get into the, you know, the neighborhood of guys like a, a King Makuta looking elsewhere, you know, well after spring practice, just because maybe they see the writing on the wall and the, the young guys coming up. Because like I said, I mean, we saw Drew Sanders a, a good bit as a true freshman last year. Chris Braswell seems to have taken, you know, that step between years one and two. He had a really good spring. So um, those young guys are going to be chomping at the bits to get on the field. And, um, you know, it, it's going to make for a, a competitive and talent rich position groups so a lot of these guys yeah that the, the transfer portal is something to watch at positions like this but i still don't know if you know having too many is a is a thing that is possible just because of you know alabama is going to continue to recruit the position and you can never you know you never know what's going to happen from an injury standpoint yeah you just said it with injuries think of some of the guys since really 2017 terrell lewis a couple times uh, injuries. Uh, Anthony Jennings uh, certainly had a significant injury against Clemson in that Sugar Bowl playoff win uh, three or four years ago. Was able to return pretty quickly from that one. Christian Miller 
uh, had some injury issues. Christopher Allen has gone through an ACL. So just when you think you got a ton, you have a season, you have a game, Charlie. Hell, the 2017 Florida State game, that game in and of itself knocked Mm -hmm. Alabama's depth chart by what, two or three guys, it seemed like? Two, Terrell, I think, and was it Christian Miller in that game too? Yeah, I remember driving back from Atlanta. That was some hell the next day, having to to chase that stuff down. And that's that's the the point in all this. You know, you never want to see injuries happen, but they happen. And um, you know, I, we've seen maybe a, a little bit of those knee injuries cut back with guys like David Blue and and Matt Ray on campus. And that's really what's been the bugaboo uh, for this position group because that's what a lot of those guys dealt with: Terrell Lewis, you know, Chris Allen um Anthony Jennings um hopefully that's a thing of the past but you can never predict something like that but that has to sit in the back of your mind and that's why you know Nick Saban I don't think it's the only reason injuries that is but you know you you recruit these guys because you can literally never have enough because of what could potentially happen and you know they've they've shown now you you have the blueprint of of Will Anderson and you know I think I was talking to, to Dallas Turner before he got on campus and, you know, he said what he saw from Will Anderson showed him, why can't I do that as a true freshman? So not only has Alabama had success in recruiting these guys, and a lot of them have sat and, and wait their turns. Now these young guys see, oh, well, what's stopping a true freshman from being one of the elite edge rushers in the SEC? So uh, I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon, but you have to have in the back of your mind the idea of, you could potentially lose a guy at any moment and you have to have somebody ready and waiting in the wings to, to step up. And right now Alabama has a wealth of talent and depth and, you know, they don't want to lose a guy like Chris Allen or Will Anderson, but if they did, then they have guys ready to, to you know answer the bell whenever it's their chance. Yeah. Between injuries, between situational packages too. If you can rush the quarterback effectively, there is a place for you and there's never too many <laughs> Of those guys, and uh, we've seen Alabama the last couple of years. It's been amazing. You mentioned Dallas Turner. You know, as a guy we didn't see in the spring because he was more of a traditional enrollee. And uh, there's going to be a lot of folks ready to to see what he can do as a freshman coming up here in the next month or so. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we'll go through reasons why Alabama will or won't go back to back as national champions in 2021 that more coming up with charlie potter i'm travis schreier hang with us here on the bama online podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer joined by Charlie Potter, as we typically do on Mondays. This one on July the 12th, 2021. All right, Charlie, I guess we'll start with the potential bad news for Alabama football in 2021 as far as outlining some possible scenarios that could keep this team from going back to back as national champions. Uh, We talked about injuries in relation to the outside linebacker position, really the linebacker positions in general over the last three or four years. Uh, Let's go ahead and assume though 
for this segment that injuries are not excessive. You know, maybe the typical sort of one or two guys here or there, but not just a slew of guys like we saw in 17 and, and even 18, I guess. But so what would you put out there as far as the top of your list as a reason why this team won't go back to back? Yeah, I mean, b- before getting to that, I mean, last year, you know, at the Tennessee game, whenever Jalen Waddle got hurt on the first play, that, that seemed like a crushing blow. But uh, Devontae Smith really uh, stepped up and, and made that not so. So, you know, we've, we've seen where they've suffered an injury where it's uh, a big time contributor. But, you know, the team like last year, you know, they were able to uh, make up for it. And that, that says a lot. And for me, that's where it starts in terms of the reason why Alabama won't repeat is just there's just too much to replace on offense. You, know, you look at Mac Jones in the season, he had Najee Harris, um, you know, Devontae Smith, even Jalen Waddle before his injury. You know, he was on pace to probably have a better season than Devontae Smith before that Tennessee game. And then three offensive linemen, especially guys like Landon Dickerson and and Alex Leatherwood, who were not only you know two of the best players at their positions, but you know guys that were leaders in that locker room and on that offense and offensive line. That's just a lot. You know that 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 took a while just to rattle that off, and that's a lot to have to replace. And while Alabama, like we talked about the outside linebacker position, they recruit at the highest level. Um, you're going to have some guys that are going to be new and fresh to this offense and to, to big time roles. And you're looking at an offense last year that finished, I believe, second. Uh, nationally and in points per game and uh, in the top five in total offense. I think they led the nation in third down conversions. And just look at the years that, that Jones and Smith and Harris had, um, you know, they rewrote the, the record books and, you know, I, I don't think we expected Mac Jones to have the season that he had last year. And the same could probably be said for, you know, going into this year with Bryce Young at quarterback, but he has some big shoes to fill. And we've talked about it before. He has to hit the ground running game one against Miami for this offense to start to you know, get clicking and maybe start rolling like last year. Uh, you have a good stable of running backs. I think that could be a strength, even with some guys hitting the transfer portal. I think tight end is something that you don't really have to worry about with Jaleel Billingsley and Cameron Latou. But, you know, tight ends and running backs, that's not how offenses make their money, so to speak, these days. You have to have those wide receivers make big plays. Your quarterback has to be, um, you know, at the top level. And, you know, wide receiver is still a question mark. You have John Mechie coming in at back, and I think he could be solid number one. But then beyond that, there's there's just a lot of uncertainty. You know, Slade Bolden, uh, Jamison Williams have played football at a, at a high level in terms of just getting first-team minutes at their respective schools. I think they can play a big part. You know, uh, Javon Baker is a guy I think Alabama has been waiting to take that next step. Maybe he does this year. Some of these young guys like Jai Hall and uh, Jojo Earl maybe, you know, come in and contribute as as first teamers. But there's just still a lot of unproven talent. And offensive line-wise, you have Evan Neal and and Emilek, you are back. And, you know, Chris Owens is a a guy that you like to have back as a super, super senior, as a six-year senior. There's still some holes to fill there. It's just – there's a lot to replace on the offense, and I think, you know, should they slip up and and not, you know, get to the college football playoff or lose in the college football playoff, it's going to be because the offense, um, you know, doesn't live up to what their predecessors did. And to be honest, that's going to be tough for anybody to live up to you know, anywhere in the country. And what Alabama was able to do last year, just from a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line standpoint. So for me, I just think that what's going to hold them back is just 
there's too much to replace on offense. I still think the offense can be good. I still think Bryce Young is a talented player and he can do that. It's just there's there's just so much that they have to replace that maybe it's insurmountable insurmountable at this point. I'm gonna read you a stat line from the 2018 season. 44 catches, 710 yards, 16.1 per catch, and seven touchdown catches. That was Irv Smith Jr. in 2018. Does Jalil Billingsley need to have an even bigger season than Irv Smith had? in 2018 for this offense to reach its ceiling, Charlie? I think so. Um, you know, I, I've been ranking my you know, top 25 most important players uh, for the upcoming season. And I had, you know, Jaleel Billingsley pretty high. He was in the top 10. And you know, I think the reason for that is just because, again, the the uncertainty at wide receiver, I think they'll be fine there. But, you know, you're going to have a drop-off whenever you have – four players go in top 15 in the past two drafts, no longer on your roster. And when you have a guy like Jaleel Billingsley, who has that uh, receiving ability and who you can move all over the formation, he becomes a, a top target. I think John Mesh will obviously be someone that you know, has a good rapport with Bryce Young and uh, can be a number one receiver. But beyond that, it's, again, it's, it's unproven players. So having Billingsley, yeah, I think he has to have an Irv Smith Jr. type season, if not more, you know, be an Herb or an OJ in this offense to where, um, you know, he's a guy that if Bryce Young gets in trouble, he looks for 19 and, and finds him. And then on the flip side of that, maybe he doesn't have to have maybe better uh, numbers than Irv Smith had in 2018. He has to have comparable numbers because then you also have a guy like Cameron Latou. Again, I think the tight end position can be a strength and maybe he takes some of the burden off of a guy like Billingsley. But you know, altogether, the tight end position has to be big for this offense just because they have to replace so much at receiver and you have so many young guys that are stepping into new roles. I think Cameron Latou, for me, I think Billingsley is obviously going to be the featured guy in the passing game when you talk about the tight end position, in part because Billingsley doesn't just go under the tight end umbrella. The way that you talked about how you can move him around, he's almost got to be considered more of just an offensive athlete, you know, that can split out, that can flex out. He can line up in line. He can play the H. He can do all those things. Um, but for me, Latou, important, no doubt. I'm thinking somewhere, though, for him in terms of production as a receiver, somewhere in the middle of what we saw from Miller Forstall in a semi-injury plague season in 2019 when he caught 15 balls. And then last year, Miller with 23 catches for 253 and a touchdown. They got to, you said it, they got to have some of these other wide receivers emerge as much as anything because of, as you mentioned, big plays, explosive plays. And, and not that this team is going to try to build itself in a way that we've seen the previous three teams, because I'm sure we're going to talk defense here in a minute when we flip this thing. But, you know, they still have to have enough explosive play production um, to, to even semi be recognizable to what we've seen in, in recent years. And here's another thing for me, Charlie, this damn SEC East dominance that this program has had over the last decade, man, it's got to end sometime, doesn't it? Go to Florida this year on the road in week three, Tennessee, eh, not going to happen in Tuscaloosa come October, but 
potentially in the SEC championship game. This can't go on forever, Charlie, this SEC East thing, can it? Um, it can't, but I don't know about this season. Like when, when we start talking about will, I mean, schedule was was uh, reasons why Alabama will repeat in 2021. I had I wrote down schedule slash defense. I know we were yeah. doing that for a little bit, but it, it just when we broke down the schedule, just in terms of um, easiest and most difficult game on there. Um, after we got done, it's just it to me. It, it seemed like Alabama has a favorable shot of at least going undefeated in the regular season. And you mentioned that game against Florida. I know that's one a lot of people have circled on the calendar. I think you know Florida, A and M, LSU, Miami. Those are the big games this year. But going to Florida, um, especially after what happened last year in the SEC championship game, I think a lot of people are excited. But there's a lot of playmakers on both sides of that off or both offenses that aren't there anymore. And then. You got to think Florida's defense just wasn't great last year, and mm-hmm. um, you know they have to replace some guys on that side of the ball. So I, I think it'll be exciting the build up, but it'll probably be the typical like you know what we've seen from Alabama playing SEC East teams in the past. So um, yeah, if, if they meet Georgia in the SEC title game, you know that'll be a game, of course, that everybody's going to want to tune into and. You know, that'll be a challenging uh, aspect or a, a game on the schedule, but I just I don't know about Florida and Tennessee this year. Yeah, if Alabama gets to Atlanta undefeated, uh, it may not need to beat Georgia or whoever the East sends, right? I mean, if they're if Alabama's twelve and zero goes into Atlanta, loses in the SEC championship game, there could very well still be a spot for Alabama in the college football playoff. And we talk about Alabama's schedule. I agree. Based on previous Alabama schedules, it looks very navigable. Navigable? What? Did I make up a word there? <laughs> navigable. All right. We'll go with it. But um, but relative to, say, Clemson, it's still a, a pretty big, bigger hill to climb than, say, you know, Clemson is like you're waiting in line to ride Space Mountain at Disney. And then Clemson's up there in the fast pass. You know, that's like Clemson on an annual basis, it seems like. So I guess you can look at that a couple different ways, Charlie. Relative to Alabama schedules, this one looks doable. But when you consider the other candidates for the college football playoff out there, even Ohio State, I think, to a pretty large extent, it doesn't seem, I guess, as ready-made as compared to those teams. No, I mean, it is favorable in terms of what Alabama's had in the past, but, um, you know, they're going to need Miami, say they, you know, beat them pretty handily in, in week one in Atlanta. They're going to need Miami not to fall off the rails. And you know, a lot of that's going to depend on Derek King, you know, the quarterback, and he's obviously coming off that ACL injury, and they expect him to come back. But, you know, facing this Alabama pass rush in week one, if he's on the field, that's going to be a challenge for him. And, you know, avoiding further injury or any kind of setback like that will be important for our Miami's entire season and uh, again you don't want to see them fall off the rails you don't want to see you know Florida do the same you're going to want them to to continue to to be contenders and you know play well and be consistent uh, in order for the strength of schedule to to be what you want it to be come you know early December but yeah I mean of course when you compare it to the ACC the the Pac-12 you know the Big Ten um, it, it's going to look better but I just in terms of what Alabama's face in the mm-hmm. past especially now considering last year you had a power five only schedule uh to, to be able to to add some teams like southern miss and new mexico state and mercer to the mix and then be able to face a, 
a Miami in a neutral site game um, compared to just this, the other teams that they're going to face from the SEC. It, it's pretty favorable when you write it all down on paper. Yeah, and so we consider now reasons why Alabama will repeat in 2021, and we've already touched on the defense, obviously being among those reasons. And hell, Charlie, I mean, this team, Nick Saban, they know what it takes. You know, that's one of the big byproducts of this consistent championship caliber success that Alabama's had under Nick Saban is that we talk about the next wave in terms of, well, possible concerns because you haven't seen some of these guys do it yet. But you know what? They've spent the last year, two, three years, however long, going against guys who did do it. So there has to be almost an osmosis at this point, you would think, that takes place when it comes to trying to achieve that standard. Yeah, I mean, defense and, and offense is, is different than it was at the, at the beginning of Nick Saban's tenure. You know, he's talked about that quite a bit. Um, and, you know, he's he's in favor of the offensive evolution because of what it does for his team. But, you know, if it was just lined up in the I formation all the time, he said that he thinks he would be bored if he was still, you know, a defensive coach. And I mean, he is, but not, you know, in the same sense of what he used to be. So you know, defensively, I mean, you look at it, Alabama, um, you know, led the SEC and in, in scoring defense, allowing damn near 20 points per game. But that was good enough to lead the SEC. And they did a good job in stopping the run uh, for the most part. And, you know, total defense-wise, I mean, they were, you know, close to being a top 25 defense. And the big thing about this defense is both from a player and a coaching staff standpoint is there's a lot of guys coming back. There's a lot of experience. I mean, you add Jay Valai, the cornerbacks coach, uh, to the mix, but a lot of guys back on that staff. Uh, and then you look at just a personnel standpoint, you lose Dylan Moses and, Patrick Sertan II and, and Christian Barmore, but really, you know, you think about it, you know, Sertan was the most consistent of that trio, and, you know, Barmore was pretty dominant toward the end, but, you know, the, you can maybe get a boost at inside linebacker, which is crazy to say just the way that we've talked about Dylan Moses throughout his entire career, but you have a healthy uh, Henry Toa Toa or Jalen Moody alongside Christian Harris, and you probably get a boost there just because of Moses playing with that injury last year. You know, defensive line-wise, I mean, there's nobody that, you know, provided the same kind of pass rush that Barmore did. But Alabama can put a pretty significant and solid, um, you know, six-man rotation on the field at outside linebacker. Of course, they're going to be in between, you know, two of the best pass rushers in the country. Again, we mentioned the inside linebacker position, which should be a strength. And then the secondary just has to replace one guy. So it's a it's a group that... Um, you know, played well last season. You know, they're going to want to improve from the, some of the performances they had against Ole Miss and Florida because they're going to be facing those two teams again. But I just think that the defense, it, the old adage of defense wins championships, while yes, it's still true, this defense is capable of doing that because they can get stops, they can force turnovers, they can get after the uh, quarterback and they can get the ball back to this offense who's still going to be trying to get its feet wet and learning on the fly as the season goes so I think having all of that experience whether it's coaches or players on that side of the ball is going to be extremely beneficial for Alabama going into 2021 yeah with that interior pass rush no doubt when you've got Christopher Allen and Will Anderson out on the edges you can't double everybody so that's going to help uh, with those guys more so working on the interior and so 
yeah, I mean, you just go back to some of the staples of, of Nick Saban programs and championship teams. And, you know, you can talk about great, great defenses, but in this era of offensive football, you know, really it just comes down to stops, right? What, what has Nick Saban said? Stops over stats is, is what he talks about now more and in, in what we see on a weekly basis in the sport. And I think the 2016 team was sort of the perfect illustration of that. that that's a top three defense in, in the Nick Saban era, maybe a top five to 10 all time in Alabama football. But, you know, when you needed a stop against Clemson uh, down in Tampa, you just couldn't come up with it. Now, you had some injuries. I understand all that before you start hitting me. You know, in the thread, I know it's coming, but it's really about not just how many stops you get these days, but when, when you get them. Hey, Charlie, um, it's been a lot of fun. I think we've outlined some pretty good reasons for and against Alabama repeating as national champions in 2021 and also some really good news on the academic front on Monday I wanted to touch on. Boy, you talk about putting a cap on a celebrated and, uh, you know, illustrious and decorated career at Alabama. How about Mac Jones? Academically, uh, some good stuff for Mac. Lane and Dickerson, I know, a part of that as well. And not a bad night at the ESPYs for Devontae Smith on Sunday night. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever stop writing about awards won by this 2020 football team. <laughs> uh, and here we are, July. After the season's been it's over. It's like rabbits. They yeah. multiply. These and, and they're still, you know, bringing in the hardware. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Devontae winning, um, you know, best male college athlete, that wasn't a surprise. But, um, you know, seeing Mac Jones and Landon Dickerson um, both being named to the Cosida Academic All-America uh, Division One football first team, that's, that's a big accomplishment. And I think for Mac, you know, he was – uh, the the football academic all American of the year and that shows just you know the head that both of those guys have on their shoulders um, you know it it shows why Mac Jones is a guy that was able to you know progress the way he did uh, in this system in this offense and and play the way he did just because he's a intelligent football player um, you know he knows what to do and and everything like that so you know just kudos to them. Um, I'm, I'm sure heck, you know, later this afternoon, tomorrow, there'll be something that Najee Harris won that will be coming down the pipeline. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, these guys deserve it. They're they're good dudes, and uh, they're going to have to find some more room on those those trophy shelves because they got more coming. Yeah, another good weekend for Alabama football. Uh, certainly better than it was for, say, Connor McGregor or the English soccer team, the England soccer team losing on those PKs to Italy uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Some folks didn't have some so good weekends, I guess. Uh, but those guys certainly did. Hey, Charlie, as always, appreciate the time. Always a lot of fun with you here on the Bama Online Podcast. And we'll do it again soon. All right, man. It's always good to catch up. There he goes, Charlie Potter. Outstanding covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us on a daily basis at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to this here podcast, by the way, you should do it right now. Simple as a click or two. Absolutely free to you if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there. We would certainly appreciate that as well. And of course, you always need to be with us right there at BOL. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans around the world. 
for Charlie Potter. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Talk to you again real soon when the Bama Online Podcast returns. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.